Thank you for listening to the Passion Church Podcast. Our mission is to help you win by living a genuine Jesus-filled life. If you are ever in Cameron, Missouri, come and see us and join the Passion Church family. Visit our Facebook page or our website at passionchurchmo.com to find out more about us. We're going to go to a very familiar portion of Scripture. Turn to the 28th chapter of Acts. Coming into chapter 27, Paul has been shipwrecked on his way to Rome. Ended up in disaster, but he'd prayed and God told him all would be well. No one would be lost. Don't you love it when God can keep you right in the middle of harm's way? Nothing is lost. Look at this, chapter 28, verse 1. And when they were escaped, then they knew that the island was called Melita, And the barbarous people showed us no little kindness. In other words, they were very kind. For they kindled a fire and received us every one because of the present rain and because of the cold. And when Paul had gathered a bundle of sticks and laid them on the fire, there came a viper out of the heat and fastened on his hand. And when the barbarous saw the venomous beast hang on his hand, they said among themselves, no doubt this man is a murderer, whom, though he hath escaped the sea, yet vengeance suffereth not to live. And he shook off the beast into the fire and felt a little harm, was some queasy a little bit, staggered around some, his vision got blurry. No, that's not in the word, is it? It says he shook off the beast into the fire and felt no harm, howbeit they looked when he should have fallen or fallen down dead suddenly. But after they had looked a great while and saw no harm come to him, they changed their minds and said he was a god. Verse 7, in the same quarters were possessions of the chief man of the island. In other words, the chief of the tribe, whose name was Publius, who received us and lodged us three days courteously. And it came to pass that the father of Publius lay sick of a fever and of a bloody flux, to whom Paul entered in and prayed and laid his hand on him and healed him. So when he was done, others also which had diseases in the island came and were healed, who also honored us with many honors and when we departed, they laid, laid, laid us with such things as were necessary. Father, we thank you for the reading of your word. We ask, Lord, that you'll help me to divide rightly, Father, what needs to be brought forth today. And that the inspiration, Father, of this message will give us hope and spring us forward, Father, into the call of our mission. We give you the honor and the glory and the praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Slap your neighbor a high five and say, hot dog, it's church time. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Well, we're a little unconventional, but I never read any place in the Word where Jesus was conventional about anything, so I think we're in good company. Amen. Amen. I was, uh, this is the, this is the writings of Luke, and he's writing down the historical events of the things that he's experienced and uh, in this situation here, he, 
He must have been with Paul when all of this happened in order for him to be able to record it. And uh, wow, what a story this is. So I want to, if I can, today, if, if, if you'll allow me, to those of you who are viewing us today uh, online, God bless you. Glad that you're streaming with us and, and lean in just a little bit because we're going somewhere today. I want to hit on the subject today of turning disaster into revival. Turning disaster into revival. Now, as we read, we found out that Paul is shipwrecked, and it's a disastrous situation. How many understand that if a ship goes down, we got a problem? And not only was Paul affected by this, but everyone who was with him. And, of course, Paul was a prisoner on this ship. And oftentimes when there's something like this, the prisoners are put to death in these situations so that they will not escape. But in this case, the, those, the captors on the, the ship, those who were of the, the, the Roman centurions, they, they were listening to Paul because Paul was giving spiritual direction in the middle of a squall that they knew they weren't going to get out of. And he prayed and he said, I want you all to relax because God has got this and not one person on the ship is going to die. They did everything they could to keep the ship afloat, but eventually it broke up, was torn to pieces, and here they were all victims. And there were many victims with Paul in this situation, but I want you to understand that sometimes when you're victimized, you have a choice to be a victim or to see yourself as a victor. Oh, come on now. I'm going to just lay it out for you today. It's up to you which path you choose, whether you're going to be a victim or a victor. Now, now Paul couldn't, couldn't stop this ship from going into the sea, but he'd already called upon his God and knew what the outcome was, and Paul had already chosen and had already encouraged everyone else on the ship, instead of being a victim, let's become victors. We're going to the other side because I want you to understand that anytime the enemy comes to shipwreck you in something you're doing in your life, whether it's in your home, your finances, your family, your children, your job, job, your, uh, you just name it, or in your ministry, I want you to understand that just about the time you're really going strong, just about the time you're about to get vindicated, Paul, Paul was headed to Rome to try to get vindicated over his circumstances because he was being treated wrongly as a Roman citizen. He was both a Jew and a Roman citizen, and he was going to set the record straight. And I want you to know that anytime you're doing something for God and you're in forward mode, momentum, the enemy wants to come along and bring a storm into your life to cause shipwreck in your life. But it's up to you as to whether you allow the shipwrecks in your life to make you a victim or a victor. Slap your neighbor a high five if you plan to be a victor. Now, it's never easy to, in the onset of a disaster, to see any good in it. Who could say Amen. When your back is hurting every morning when you wake up, you can't find no good in that. 
when, you're, when there's way too much month at the end of your money. There's no, that, that doesn't feel good. You can't see good in that. When, when there's problems with your kids, you can't see good in that. Yet God has a way of turning disastrous things into victorious things. Who could say amen to that? So here they are, shipwrecked on the island of Melita. Today it would be called Malta. And they're on the island of Melita. And uh, here they are, just come out of the sea. They're stunned. They've been pushed about, tossed about, probably bumped into all of the wreckage of the ship, may have rode some pieces of the ship to the shore. And here they are on the shore of a foreign place, and they don't know what the population there is like. Will they be hostile people or will they be kindly people? The word says that they were a barbarous people. Now, I don't know if you know what a barbarous people are, but according to the Greek language, they are the lowest. Oh, this, this doesn't work in our day and age of political correctness. So those of you who are uh, politically correct, put your fingers in your ears real quick. But these people were, these people were the lowest of the low in society. These people were the scourge of society. They were the people who did the unseemly things. They were ungodly pagan people. Are you following my line of thinking? Yet here they land on that shore not knowing, you know, what type of a tribe this is. Will they murder us? Will they, will they wage war against us? What will they do? But the word makes it very clear that this barbarous, lowest of society people actually showed great kindness to them. Seeing their plight and knowing the conditions. Isn't it good to know that God can find good in humanity at any level that society deems? God uh, has the ability to make winners out of losers. Come on. I'm just going to lay it out there. I know it's plain. I know it's politically incorrect, but you got to know the truth. God can take anyone and make you a winner. That's why we've coined the phrase, we want to help people win. We want to help people win in life, win in their finances, win in their family, win in their, win in their homes, win in their job, win in their ministries. Our job is to help you win. Why? Because that is the heart of Jesus. Jesus makes winners out of people who weren't winners until they met him. Who could say amen to that? So the conditions called for a fire. Ever been in one of those situations, you just wish you had a fire? Ever been in, ever, ever been in water that was, was not body temperature? Huh? And you know how that, what that does to the body and how it affects you. And here they are crawling out of the ocean. I don't know uh, what the water temperature was like, but when it's already storming and raining, it usually gets cool because the cloud cover blocks the sun. And here they were standing on the shore, shivering. They're, they're kind of in a, in a bad position because even if there was a fight, they're, they're, they're all how do I want to say? They're all drawn up by the ocean and by the coldness, and they're, they're all kind of in a bad spot here. And the conditions called for a fire, and the barbarous people started a fire. But I want you to see how the conditions they started the fire in. Cold and wet. 
cold, and wet. Those are not conditions or conducive conditions to build a fire. Who's with me so far? You understand what I'm saying? Go gather some wet wood. We're going to build a fire. Go gather some damp, cold wood because we need to start a fire for these drenched people. Mm. You see, the environment really wasn't ripe for a fire. It was raining and it was windy. But I want to remind you how many have ever read about Elijah. God loves making fire with wet wood. Ladies and gentlemen, our conditions in America, our conditions around the world for the church is not conducive for a fire. We have watered down the message. We have grown cold to the power of the gospel. But God is a master at building fire when the conditions are wrong. And I want you to know, no matter how cold the world is or wet it's gotten, I want you to know, no matter how much we water down the message, I want you to know that God's got a remnant on the rise who are willing to stand up and not compromise and preach the unsearchable riches of Jesus Christ, not backing up, not shutting up, not stopping, not bending, not bowing. We're going to preach the truth, and we, like the barbarous people, have the assignment to build a fire in adverse conditions. Leave me alone. I'm having fun. So Paul is gathering sticks, trying to show, if you will, a little bit of gratefulness and generousness of spirit to try to help the barbarous people as they're building this fire. And I don't know if they built the fire inside. I don't know how they've done it, but I, I just know they've done it. And if Paul is gathering sticks and it's been a rainy, cold condition, pretty good chance the wood's not the best to put on the fire anyway. So when he comes and he dumps the wood on the fire, a snake comes out of the fire and attaches to his hand. Mm. Have you ever felt like? <laughs> you see Paul gathering these sticks. He's allowed the situation now has gone from a corporate tragedy where everybody was in trouble to now a personal tragedy. And have you ever felt like the attack that you're facing is personal? You ever had that feeling? This is personal. The devils, the devils come after me or, or circumstances have come after me or I want you to know the enemy will swell every condition in your life and he'll lie to you and tell you that everything is personal when most generally it's not. But it feels that way. He got bit when adding to the fire. Now think about this. He was helping. He was stirring. Ladies and gentlemen, you've been helping me stir. You've been helping me build. You've been helping me stoke. You've been helping me put fuel on the fire for God in this region. I'm not a bit surprised that many of you have come under attack. 
Because God spoke to my heart and he spoke corporately to this body about a massive revival like this region has never known. And I know that he's bringing it because he has solidified it over and over. And we've been called out by every minister in the region has come to us. And every time we go somewhere, they call us out and they read to us exactly what God has said to us. It is amazing. Even Benny Hinn, I'm in a Benny Hinn meeting in Kansas City. Nobody knows me from Adam. And guess who calls me out? And the only person in the building who got called out was me. And he told us that the spirit of multiplication was upon us and to get ready because God is going to fulfill what he said he's going to do. And it has happened over and over and over. And God told us to host a revival. He didn't tell us to be the revival. He told us to host the revival. In other words, God's got a sovereign move that he's going to bring in our midst, but he needs a faithful people. He needs a hungry people. He needs a people who lay on their face like all of the ministers who've been in this place before and across this town who've laid on their face and cried out for God to pour out his spirit like he never has before. And I want you to know those prayers have been answered and you are the answer to God's prayer. You are the answer to all of the saints who have prayed. But I want you to see something. He got bit when he was adding to the fire. He was helping. He was acting out of a grateful heart and a generous spirit. But the enemy loves to strike you when you're doing good. He loves to hit you when things are going well. He likes for you to get your equilibrium thrown off. And he attacks you in the most inopportune times. And then once you've suffered an attack, it seems like he just keeps coming. Paul is still staggering around from shipwreck. He's wet. He's cold. Can it get any worse than this condition? Finally, some people are kind to us. So I'll jump in and, and show some kindness back. And in the middle of him trying to do good in an adverse condition, the enemy crawls out of the fire he's supposed to warm himself with and attaches it to his hand. <laughs> so just when you've achieved your goal, you made it to the shore, you didn't die. Just when you've begun to feel the warmth of the thing that you've helped build, the enemy crawls out of your moment of warmth. Just when you're feeling accomplished, when you're feeling fulfilled, when you're at peace, that's when he strikes. The barbarians understood that that's a nasty bite. No one survives who gets bit by this type of viper. <laughs> I believe their graveyard was filled with friends who'd had an encounter with this viper. Mm. These pagans who practice idolatry immediately say things that condemn Paul when they see this happen. They say, he's a murderer. How many understand that the world loves to judge the church? 
the world loves to judge the church. I can sit in a group of people who are unchurched, and they can tell me how a Christian should act and what a Christian should say and how they should live their life. Sometimes I sit with Christians who can't do that. And the world loves to judge the church because if they can bring you individually down, it makes their position feel better. And the barbarians are looking at him going, well, he was trying to do some good works there, but looks like God got his number. Looks like he's going to be checking out anytime soon. (laughs) How many know that judgment often comes when tragedy strikes? Something goes wrong and somebody around you starts Sounding like Job's comforters. They come out of the wood to sit down and look at you with a glum look on their face with ashes and sackcloth. And they're, they're instead of encouraging you, they're, tell, they're just looking at you going. They're just looking at you going, oh, woe is me. They're looking at you like it's too late. It's not good. You're not going to make it. And this is the position that the pagans are in. He must be guilty. Many of us have had those Job's comforters in our life. And you may be suffering just because your suffering has nothing to do with God's judgment. You're living in a world that's mixed up, messed up, and has been spun out of control by the sin of the first man, Adam. But you positionally, because you know the Lord Jesus Christ, are living under the power of the second man, Adam. And you can take the topsy-turvy circumstances of your life and choose to be a victor or a victim. The choice is yours, but if you're going to follow Jesus Christ, I want you to understand that you're living your life from a position of victory. You go from victory unto victory unto victory unto victory. You don't go from defeat to defeat to defeat. That's what the world does. But those who are in Christ Jesus, we live from victory unto victory unto victory. You've been seated in heavenly places with Christ Jesus, and I want you to understand when God says you're more than an overcomer what it means is he fought the battle for you stand in the victory already won for you (laughs) so they're thinking you must be guilty so you know how it is with Job's comforters and even his wife got in on the situation curse God and die And if you really understand the Greek uh, implications there, she's really saying, bless God and die. She's mocking him. Go ahead and bless God one more time. You've been blessing him, and we've lost everything. We blessed him, and we lost our children. We blessed him, and we lost our possessions. Bless him one more time and see if he don't kill you. That's why he said, you talk like a foolish woman. The pagans were murmuring, and he's as good as dead. He's as good as dead. He's as good as dead. I want you to know sometimes there are murmurers around your life and they're watching you. And when they see these kind of tragedies come on, they're waiting to see will you be a victor or a victim. They're waiting to see if you're going to turn your tragedy into a revival. They're looking to see what you're going to do with this circumstance because how they respond to God all hinges on how you respond to God. So what did Paul do with everyone watching, everyone looking? (laughs) 
Don't you love the way that the scripture says Paul fell on his knees begging God? Don't you love how the scripture says that he wept with bitter tears, screaming, My God, my God, why hast thou put me in this position? Woe is me. How many, how many remember that in the word? Good. Don't raise your hand because I'd have to come back and give you a whole new lesson. It ain't in the word. No. In fact, it doesn't say he even prayed at all. We get a tragedy and we get everybody in the church around us. Woo, hold on. Give up. And Paul didn't do any of that. He looked down and said, what? The word says he shook it off. The problem with the church is we've forgotten how to shake off what the enemy has brought to us. Now, the Greek makes this unmistakable. Paul wasn't just bit by the snake. He was kathapato. That's a big word. Kathapato. It means he was bit deeply and was injected with venom. There was no doubt what had happened to him. But there's another Greek word that says he aponatasso. He aponatasso. I'll get it out. He aponatasso. That's probably not how that's done, and a Greek scholar would just really laugh. He aponatasso. He shook it off. Now, that word basically says that he done it so violently that it flung the snake off of his hand, making his fangs let loose and fell into the fire. That this wasn't just he, he went, oh. He shook that thing. He shook that thing. He said, no, you don't. No, no, no. And he threw it into the fire. Every time the enemy hits you, you ought to throw him into the fire of God. He did this so violently that the snake flung free. And the barbarians, after a few minutes, had to change their mind. They they have buried many friends who encountered this snake before. But this man was not affected. So he must be a God. Isn't it amazing uh, how fickle the human psyche can be? One minute you're a murderer, the next minute... <laughs> I don't know if that's how what pagan worship sounded like, but one minute a murderer, the next minute he's a god. So now the place that needed a fire was really poised to get a fire. They were building the shipwrecked victims. A natural fire, which is certainly good to warm up our natural being. But this one act, this one act of a man of faith, 
a man of faith who would not be denied from what he understood and knew. The man who had had an encounter on the Damascus Road. The man knocked blind and stood that way for three days waiting to hear the voice of the Lord who spent 14 years on the backside of a desert gleaning and learning and measuring up to the word of God who counted all things as dung except for the knowledge of Jesus Christ who put away all of his spiritual credentials for the knowledge of Jesus Christ was standing there in a moment of attack standing there in the second of attack that has come upon his person the first one corporate the second one individual and he just he doesn't even take the time to pray he just knows how his God operates and he shakes the snake off into the fire and says thank you Lord mm, I'm almost done only got three more pages. So the barbarians, in their change of heart, didn't understand that they were now ready for the supernatural of God. These people whose lives have been bent for all these years trying to conjure up some supernatural work in one instance of the order of God. He comes in in one instance. What man cannot do, what man cannot conjure, what man cannot work up, the Holy Spirit in one act can come in and totally upright and upset the whole workings of the whole tribe from the the chief to the smallest and to the youngest infant in that tribe. They were about to encounter the supernatural God of the Bible. Look at this. Look at this. Their wet wood was on a collision course for a fire from the God who is an all-consuming fire. Paul stayed three days with Publius, the chief elder of the barbarians. And Publius' father had bouts of fever brought on by dysentery. That's what bloody flux is. It's the disease dysentery. It's a gastro-abdominal pain. Fever and cramping. Feeding. Uh, feeling no relief, even though they have diarrhea that is mingled with blood and they have it violently. They never feel like they've ever allowed that release in their body. And so they lay around in this condition of fever and feeling like they've constantly got to go to the restroom. And when they do, it is filled with blood. How many would say that's a very serious condition? I know... I know our, our wonderful pastors that are with us today have been in foreign lands and foreign places and built churches in foreign countries and have probably seen these kind of situations. Paul laid his hands on him and he was healed. This man that just shook the snake off in the fire spent enough time around Publius that when he heard the Lord say, lay your hands on him, he laid his hands on him and when he did the man was healed how many believe your god can heal right here right now as was testified today how many believe your god is working on your behalf to bring healing Amen. i want you to understand that paul 
at, from the moment he did that, was in a healing line until everybody who was sick in that tribe had passed before Paul. It went from tragedy to revival in a moment's time. It went from tragedy to revival with the laying on of hands. It went from tragedy and not dying to revival. It went from his tragedy until the whole place is shaken by the power of God and everybody pushing in and wanting a little piece of the action. And all of those pagans who've begged their gods for something have never seen anything like this. So they gather all the sick in the village and they bring them to Paul and he lets them go under the power of Jesus Christ and sickness and disease is cast off of these people and they come up healed. I'm almost done. I want you to understand this, that this was a healing revival, but I know Paul. I've read too many of his writings. I know Paul's heart, and I want you to know that Paul didn't just leave them with a healing, but he went all the way to their spiritual needs. He took the spiritual things that were undone in their life, and he tore down their pagan altars with them and let them know that there was salvation in Jesus Christ and in Jesus Christ alone. And he helped this barbarous people to go from the lowest people on the rung of society to the children of the Most High God. In one act of revival, the entire nation turned to Jesus Christ. Mm. So I want you to know that the all-consuming fire of God, when it overtakes the wettest of wood and a superstitious idol-worshiping people, they suddenly become the body of Christ, changing their lowly barbarian status to the adopted children of the kings of kings. And revival surged from the head of state to the chief and to the youngest infant of the island. And Paul's faith was so strong that the text never mentions that he prayed about protection from the snake bite, but that he just trusted God. He just believed that he was in God's prevention protection. He prayed on the ship and God told him that none would perish and he had a word and he held on to that word, spite the circumstances. And I want you to know that revival breaks out if you can hold on to the word in the middle of a disaster. If you can hold on to the word of God, for the word shall not pass away. Heaven and earth shall pass away, but the word of God will not. And the word is so esteemed by God, he places it above his name. And if you can hold on to the word that God has given you, whether it's the Logos or the Rhema Word of God, he spoke a Rhema Word of God to Paul on that ship that day and said none would perish. How many knows that's the heart of God, that God wishes that none should perish? It lines up even with the Logos. And I want you to understand this, that when God gets a hold and in the middle of your tragedy, if you can hold on to the Word, if you'll hold on to the Word, you'll always find the Word in the middle of your tragedy. You'll always find God's word in the middle of your circumstances, in the middle of your snake bite, in the middle of your shipwreck. God is always in the midst, and he's waiting at all times to deliver his children. And if you hold tightly to the word, you will come through in victory. All right. Whew. You're not clapping near as much as I am shouting. <laughs> I'm going to finish with that. I could go further, but I don't need to. You got the idea. I believe that God 
is wanting to turn our heartaches into triumph. I believe God wants to turn Cameron upside down and the, and the whole entire Cameron region. I believe God desires revival more than you and I. And I want to be the man who goes up on the mountain and lays prostrate before my God to hear what he's got to say. And I want to bring his word back down the mountain with me. But see, here's the problem. In that century when Moses stood at Mount Sinai, it wasn't supposed to just be Moses going up on the mountain, but all of the children of God were supposed to come up with him. They were all supposed to go up the mountain, but they backed up because God showed a powerful display. But I want you to know that God's going to show some powerful display in Cameron, Missouri, and we can't back up, and we can't get tired, and we can't get weary in will-doing because God has drug addicts in mind. God has heart heartbroken people in mind. God has divorcees in mind. God has your heart in mind. He's looking to this community for those who are homeless. He's looking for those who are jobless. He's looking for those who would be considered the barbarians uh, of society because there's good in all mankind and God wants to retrieve back what the Father has sown into the earth and he's looking for a people who will not be tainted by the world around us but will stand out from among them and separate ourselves and point the way to Calvary and let them know there is a way that's greater than any other way. His name is Jesus. Jesus Christ, the one, the only true way of living is the way, the truth, and the life. His name is Jesus Christ. He's the only entrance to the Father. We're so glad you listened to this message today. Our goal is to bring hope, encouragement, and help you win, all while building God's kingdom. At Passion Church, we believe in community. If you would like to partner with us in prayer or giving, then send us a message on Facebook or through our website at passionchurchmo.com. We'd love to hear how God is impacting your life through this ministry.